0: finish your high school diploma for you and your family visit
1: finishyourdiploma.org to find free adult education centers near you brought to you by the dollar general literacy foundation and the ad council hi everybody this is chris coffee from west 40 and you're listening to shift everything the podcast that challenges the status quo in education Join us as we explore what's happening in the classroom and the changes that are making the impossible possible. If you are a teacher or a parent, or both a teacher and a parent, chances are you will never forget what happened at your child's school during the spring of 2020. Of course, I'm talking about the early months of the pandemic. School district leaders and school boards were tasked with making decisions that would impact their students and staff. All around us, life seemed to stand still. Many businesses and restaurants shut their doors to walk-in customers. Hospitals filled up. School meant attending classes online for many students, and when students returned to classrooms, they wore masks. Their desks were spaced farther apart. The pandemic impacted everything from clubs, to sports, to homecoming, to graduation day. Community members voiced their frustrations or their support as districts tried their best to educate and be there for kids. So here we are now, it's early 2023. What lessons did our school leaders learn? What did they do that really worked during the toughest days of the pandemic and what didn't work and most importantly, are they ready to do it again if there is ever a next time? Here to share her experiences as a superintendent of a Chicago area school district during the pandemic is Dr. Jennifer Kelsall of Ridgewood High School District 234 in Norwich. Dr. Kelsall, thanks for talking to us. Thank you for having me. So, didn't mean to scare anyone with the description of the early days of the pandemic, but it is something that is real. It happened. It happened to everyone, especially schools. Could you just... Take us back to those days when it's uh, you know spring 2020. You're getting the news. You're seeing what's happening. What are you as a school leader thinking about?
0: I think there are two two paths. I'm first thinking about what do we currently have in place that we can actually use and be successful, and then what do we need to focus on to make sure that we're still providing uh, quality learning opportunities for our students, as well as taking care of our staff who are now having to work in a way that they've never been prepared for.
1: And this is something that no school leader has ever had to deal with. The last pandemic we had was in the early 20th century.
0: Correct. And, you know, we're not trained for this. It is truly fly by the seat of your pants, figure out where you are and where you need to go and how you're going to get there.
1: So let's fast forward just, just for right now. It's 2023. School is back to normal. We're in session. And it's been like that for a year or two.
0: Correct. And... We've seen lots of great things come out of the pandemic as well as not so great things. I mean, that's, I guess, the joy of education, right? You live and learn and you figure out how to improve and move forward and continue to find creative ways to meet the needs of your kids.
1: Going back to March of 2020, is that when your school district decided to close? How did you close? What did that look like?
0: We received a call that actually received an email that we were all required to get on a phone call with the governor as superintendent so we could hear straight from the governor what his expectations were Um, and so on March 13th we all closed and we thought it was only going to be for a few weeks so we had prepped our teachers ahead of time to take home what you need to get through two weeks at the most Um, and then when we got the next notification that we were going to be remote for another month and then again remote to the end of the year each time we had to make modifications on how we are operating and what expectations we had for our staff and students.
1: And you are a high school district. So how many schools are in your district? How many students?
0: One school, about 850 students.
1: Are these freshmen through seniors?
0: Correct. Freshmen through seniors.
1: When you closed, were you ready to do remote learning or did that happen a week or two later?
0: We were actually ready. We've been one-to-one for 10 years. So every student already had a device. Um, We use uh, an online learning management system called Canvas, so every student already used that to access all of their coursework um, and to enter their coursework. So from the standpoint of having the technology ready to go, the core technology was ready. Were we ready to run a Zoom session or um, to use different technologies remotely that would support learning? Not quite. So that took us a little while to get used to.
1: How did the teachers react to this, and how did the students react?
0: So the teachers, they were amazing because they just adapted to whatever they needed to do because their goal was to make sure kids were successful. Um, Students were used to accessing their materials electronically because all of their books and school coursework is electronic. Um, It was how are they going to engage every day, all day, to make sure that their learning continued. That was um, a little bit more of a struggle, as well as finding out which students needed hotspots in order to be able to access the network so that they could engage electronically. Uh, And we were blessed. We only had um, about 10 students who needed hotspots. The rest had access to the internet so they could engage. Um, but what we found out over time is that the stability of their networks weren't always the greatest. So then we had to add more um, hotspots.
1: Got it. And when, when the kids went remote, were school leaders talking about, okay, we want to get them back in the classroom by this day? What was the thinking and the uh, decision-making behind where do we go from here?
0: One of our blessings is that we are a competency-based school. So our competencies were already set up for the academic strategies needed in order to move students along their learning. Um, It wasn't about like a checklist of we need to cover these pages or these units, right? It was these are the skills and dispositions we needed our students to learn. So it was what's most essential to getting our students through Initially, it was two weeks, and then it was a month. And then we realized we're ready to get them through the school year if that's where we need to be. Um, And how do we still make the end of this school year as normal as normal can be, given the situation we're in, right? Because we don't want seniors to leave and then remember the last several months of maybe their worst time of their school year.
1: Let's talk about that. There's clubs, there's sports, there's the prom. What was done about that?
0: So the big pieces, prom, graduation, we actually met with a group of students virtually and asked their feedback. As seniors, how do you want prom? And so they came up with the building principal several options, and then we did the same for graduation. Um, and so that helped guide us because we really wanted their feedback. This is their last experience in the k-12 setting and so we wanted it to be what they wanted it so there was a lot of student voice um, and then taking their feedback and figuring out okay now how can we make this work Um, and so ultimately graduation the first year was a drive-through graduation we didn't do it until later in the summer so that if by chance we could have it in person we would but that didn't happen. So the drive-through worked and the families loved it. Actually, it was much more intimate and they got to have like front row seat to their child crossing the stage. Um, and I think it was a, a nice memory, although not a traditional memory, their memory.
1: So it's the end of the 2020 spring. So 2019-2020 school year, the, the pandemic hits spring of 2020. You stay closed. You stay remote, correct? Correct. Were you getting any criticism from the public saying, hey, we got to get our kids back in the classroom, or did that happen later? That happened
0: later. I think people were just really surprised and in shock that this is what was happening, right? And they didn't realize, they didn't know what to expect because it was new for everyone. And so first and foremost was keeping their kids safe right? There is this keen awareness of, we don't know what this is. We don't know what it will do to anyone. And so we need everyone to stay in shelter, stay in place, right? Shelter in place. And that I think was helpful because it just allowed us to get through the school year in the safest way possible. Now you take two months of school and then three months of summer, when you start the next school year, Then you start to see, I think, some differing opinions of how school should be and what it should look like for their own child.
1: So that summer goes on. It's time for school to start in the fall of 2020. You're not out of the woods. No one is out of the woods just yet. Um, So you have a big decision to make. Do you stay Remote? Do you open the, the classrooms? Some schools did, a lot didn't. A lot had to follow uh, state rules. So, what did your school district do uh, that, f- you know, once the fall came around?
0: So, we were prepared to start school in a normal way. Um, and we had, at the beginning of August, pushed out that we would be mask optional because that was the big question, I think, for most parents. And then, shortly after that, that's when the governor came out and indicated that you couldn't be mask optional. You had to be masked. Right. And then you had all the specific criteria that schools had to follow. And so that caused us to go remote initially. Um, And then it allowed us as time progressed to be creative. Right. So we changed our schedule because we were remote to figure out how could we give students and staff, different access to resources. Um, And then when we did start to open up, it was probably around the fall, that's when we had to go on an adaptive pause because we had too many positive um, students. And so we stayed on that adaptive pause through the end of the semester. And then we started second semester differently. Um, We did an A, B day, split by the alphabet because we had to know where each student was every class period. difference with high school, right, students travel from class to class, whereas in elementary, they usually stay in one spot. So we had QR codes on every door that a student would scan before they went in, and then every teacher had a specific seating chart because we were still contact tracing. So if someone tested positive, we knew exactly where that person was all day. And then we could back back map who they were around and then who we needed to contact to put out in quarantine.
1: Now, that sounds unique. As a local reporter in the Chicago market during this time, I don't remember covering any stories about QR codes. Whose idea was that? And just talk about um, the reaction to that. And did you continue doing that for months?
0: Yes, we continued that for the entire 2022 wait, 2020, 2021 school year, and then we started the second school year as well um, until we had to stop contact tracing. So we knew where everyone was. And I believe it was our dean of students. We were trying to be creative because ultimately he and the nurse were the ones who were responsible for making those contacts and and finding where every student was located. And so the QR codes became the easiest way to chart student movement the building.
1: We're talking about now the 2020-21 school year. Uh, was there a time during this school year that you started to feel a rhythm? You're like, okay, it's still bad out there, but but here's what we got, it's working. Uh, could, could you talk about that?
0: I think we found a rhythm academically. We did not find a rhythm structurally or logistically um, because we kept having to adapt To either a different um, mandates that we would get from the school board, state board of ed, or um, we were had increasing rates of COVID, right, and so it was constant flexibility of what does the day and the structure look like versus teachers are going to educate kids. They know what they need to do to help that um, move forward it was kind of behind the scenes constant change and flexibility and what works this week may not work next week and I think that's one of the pieces as you know what good came out of this is that flexibility we changed our bell schedule several times um, to really meet the, the needs of where we were right We had it clamped down at the beginning. We loosened it up. We brought kids in more. We changed the times of classes. We changed how we, what when we offered them. And so that flexibility allowed us to be creative and to ultimately come out with a better solution today than what we had before the pandemic.
1: What was the reception to the masks during this time?
0: Um, We're in a pretty divided community. So I'd say it was pretty split. you may have had one side more vocal than the other, but the, the messaging that I received was
1: pretty split. What was it like for you as a school leader to hear anger uh, from certain members of the community, and how did you deal with that?
0: It's frustrating, right? Um, the mask was not a piece that I got to control, right? So we follow the parameters that are given to us, and the ramifications of not following those parameters. And so at the beginning of the 2020-21 school year, when the governor um, put in the mask mandate, our attorneys came up with, if you don't follow this, here's the ramifications for you as a district. And so once I made that very clear to the, our school board and to the parents who were there, there, weren't a lot, there wasn't a lot of pushback at that time because they got it very clearly, right? Because if the school board didn't follow these parameters, each individual school board member could be sued individually. And that's a huge piece. That's a huge burden to take on as a, someone who's doing a job for free, right? <laughs> because that's what our board member they don't get paid. They're doing this because they want to do better for the community. Um, we would have lost our um, athletic status So there are lots of moving parts, and when people understood that, it was easy to accept at the beginning, right? The challenge was over that course of the year, you know, every district in the state had to make a decision how they were going to return. And so when you have three elementary districts in your community who feed into you, who are starting to do things a little differently because it works for them, right, and we're doing something different because it works for us, and then you've got all the neighboring school districts, doing something different that's hard for parents to understand right they don't know all the behind the scenes decisions that need to be made and the criteria we have to follow in order to be able to open safely Um, and so that was a challenge um at the same time you know as the school superintendent i have to understand that people are entitled to their opinions right that's that's just human nature um my job is to make sure that i keep everyone safe and so keeping everyone safe doesn't mean i'm going to please everyone but that's no different than any other day outside of the pandemic right we're always making decisions that are in the best interest of all students um, and that's not always well received outside of a pandemic Um, but it was a little bit more challenging during the pandemic because people became much more vocal um, than they had pre-pandemic
1: as far as the students some who were athletes that might've counted on, Hey, I got to get, I got to play in this game because I need stats to hopefully get a scholarship or students that wanted to participate in certain activities that would allow them to get into a Ivy league school, for example. How did you help those students?
0: So we offered our clubs virtually, and then we offered some in person. So they had their choice that each club made that decision on how they wanted to operate so giving students their choice, and in some cases, some of those clubs did both. They would do, hold virtual sessions and in-person, depending on what worked for the student. The athletic side was actually dictated by the State Board of Ed and the IHSA, right? Here are your guidelines if you're going to run a practice. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. Each sport fell under a different risk category, so they had different parameters of what they had to follow. What was really challenging is that at one point, it was the summer where you could have students participating in, in athletics, which was happening in our field house, they had different guidelines than what was happening in our summer school classroom, about how they could interact, whether or not they need to be masked, all of those pieces. That was even more difficult to navigate because you had two different systems running at the same time with very different expectations. And so, what helped us throughout the entire pandemic was being a, the types of communication we had with our families. So we were sending home a weekly message, regardless of what was happening. Here's where we are. Here's what here's what the information we're receiving from the state. Here's how we're moving forward. And out of the pandemic, we now continued those messages. Now we do them every other week. And so, I think. One of the benefits is we learned how to communicate better, Um, and we actually did a lot of surveying of our parents. What is the best mode for you to receive your communication? Um, And for many of them, we have a system that sends a a message through our um, student information system. That's what they prefer, because then they can filter it for what they want to read versus what they don't want to read. And I would say that communication continued internally as well. Um, when the pandemic started, we did weekly, like coffees, um, virtual coffees. So every Friday, I would host a session where teachers could get on, ask questions, I would give any updates I had. And that continued um, throughout the first part. And then the second, the first full year, we did weekly sessions. And um, if those people couldn't attend, we would send out all the notes from here's the questions, here's our responses. Um, just trying to be as very transparent as we could so that they knew, like, we hear what you're saying, because we would do surveys, what do you need to move to the next step of our transition back to full normalcy? And then we would, okay, take your feedback and then modify and adjust so that we could then help them deliver the best instruction possible.
1: So Dr. Kelsall, what was your overall takeaway from being a school administrator during the pandemic?
0: From the educational standpoint, I would say the resiliency and dedication of educators to do whatever they had to do to help students be successful was more prevalent than I think people outside of the educational sphere could ever know or see. We had to take students who hadn't been in school for a year in some cases too, and ex- and help them learn how to do school again. Because if you think of a freshman coming in and they didn't really attend a building their 7th and 8th grade year, think of taking a 6th grader and putting them in with a ninth grader. They lost out on so much social growth, emotional growth, Um Learning that when you bring them in as freshmen, they don't understand how to do school or how to interact or engage with others. And so we've had to spend a lot of time helping students learn how to learn, learn how to engage with others, learn how to talk, learn how to work with someone sitting next to them because When they started the pandemic, they were on a screen, which they could turn off in some places. Then you bring them back into a building. Now you have to be how many feet apart? And now you want them to learn. And we all know learning is collaborative, right? You engage with others. You challenge thinking. You build stuff together. You design and you recreate. And when you don't have that interaction... There's a lot of lost growth that now ha- we have to somehow figure out how to help them know what's appropriate and acceptable while you're in a school setting and in many ways take away what was given to them over the last two years, social media, because that's what students move towards when they didn't have personal hand-to-hand connection, right? I'm going to go to social media to get my engagement. And now we need to show that how do you engage not through a screen but sitting next to one another? One of the pieces, largest pieces that came out of this was equity and helping um, our staff take a look at themselves. We call it mirror work as to what they needed to really engage students and meet students where each individual student was. So prior to the pandemic, we had started our equity work, but this really allowed us to go much deeper and to really get a sense of who has access to what, who needs to be working rather than sitting in front of a screen because they have to provide as the breadwinner for their family because their parents lost their jobs. So it was a big... um, shift for us, and it's really allowed us to build off of our um, early stages of equity work and get a much better sense of who we are as educators, as well as who our students are and who they need us to be to help them be more successful.
1: Let's just wrap it up talking about um, advice for future generations of school leaders. What would you tell them? Can you ever be truly prepared for something like this?
0: The only way to truly be prepared is to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to always look at what's next and never accept status quo because if you continue to do what you've always done when you have to make change, it becomes very difficult. And if you're in an environment where you're constantly looking for how do we meet all students, and until we meet all students, there's always work to be done You will never be ready for whatever the unknown is. So be flexible, be forward-thinking, be creative. All those things you expect of your kids while they're in your classes, you need to expect that of yourself as a leader in order to continue to really be prepared for whatever's thrown at you.
1: Very good information. That was Dr. Jennifer Kelsaw, superintendent of Ridgewood High School District 234. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Shift Everything. We want to hear your thoughts and bold ideas and share your educational accomplishments. To join the conversation, email us at shifteverythingwest 40org